I'm going to talk to you this morning along the lines of two areas. Number one, expectation. And number two, vision. Vision. Amen. We have discovered that fulfillment means the act of consummating something promised, something that has been decreed or spoken, as of a future event by someone with impeccable integrity. Once you understand the integrity of God's word, then when God said it, it is done, then you can stand with full assurance and a confident, favorable expectation that the greatest promise keeper in the universe will back up what he said. God said it and it was done. Amen? And so then, when you have that understanding, expectancy starts to rise up in your heart. You know, the Apostle Paul was in prison as you're turning to Philippians chapter 1. Verses 19 through 21. And you see that he was in a dilemma. And he asked for prayer from his partners. And he said, I am confident. And I know that you'll be faithful to pray. And that as a result of you praying, I'm going to be set free from this prison. But I want you to notice in Philippians chapter 1. And I notice in verse 19, he says, I know this is going to turn out all right. By the supply of your prayer and of the Lord. Verse 20. And it will be in direct proportion. Now notice these two phrases. My earnest expectation and my hope. So the apostle Paul had a confident, favorable expectation that everything was going to be all right. And I want you to notice that much of what we receive from God is in direct proportion to your earnest, heartfelt, continued expectation. There was a gentleman by the name of King David... King David was a man after God's own heart. And he said, I would have lost heart if I had not believed to see something. If I had not believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So David is saying that there is always hope if you hold on to your faith. And in Psalm 27 verse 14... In the Amplified Version, it says now, wait, wait, and hope for, and expect the Lord. Ooh, glory. Be brave, courageous, let your heart be strong and enduring. Yes, wait for, hope for, and do what? Expect the Lord. I prophesy to you this morning, expect to see good things in your life. Expect to see good things in your family. Expect to see good things in your future. David said that one key is to wait or to expect, if you will.
You see, waiting the correct way means that you are on the lookout. That you are looking with great expectancy for the goodness of God to show up and show out and turn your situation around. Glory to God. When I was a little boy, my grandma Thomas would come down from Wisconsin to Minneapolis to visit us over Christmas. And we lived on a house on a hill. And when my dad would go down to the Greyhound bus station and pick her up, my brother Tim and I were on the lookout. We were waiting for Grandma Thomas to come to our house. Because she always brought such wonderful cookies. Well, God's got some wonderful cookies for you. Hallelujah. Wait upon the Lord. When you women were pregnant with your children, there was an expectancy. There was a looking out. There was an excitement. And my Bible says that the Lord is good to those who hopefully and expectantly wait for Him. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Psalm 130, verse 5 in the Amplified says, I wait for the Lord. I expectantly wait. And in His Word will I hope. Have you got a word that God has spoken to you? Oh, friends, then don't lose your hope. You may feel like Pastor Mark, Pastor Brenda, Pastor Tom, Kimberly, Nancy. We're at the end of our rope. Well, when you're at the end of your rope, rise up, stand on your covenant, and don't you dare lose hope. As long as there's breath, there's hope. I want you to look at this one. Turn to me to Psalm 62. Psalm 62. And look with me at verse 5 and 6. You see, you can tell what a person is expecting by listening to what they say. You see, out of the abundance of the heart, it's very true that the mouth speaketh. And I think we would probably be surprised and shocked if we heard the words that we spoke consistently over a week's period. But I believe that the Holy Spirit can help us with that. You know, we don't need gun control in the land. We need some tongue control. And the Holy Spirit is there to help you to control your tongue and bring your tongue into subjection. It is true that death and life are in the power of the tongue and you can have what you say. So what are you saying? In Psalm 62 verse 5 and 6 it says this. My soul, you can get your mind in this, your Will your emotions wait only on God? And my expectation is from who? Now, are not him and his word one? So when we say our expectation is from him, we're saying that basically we're basing our expectation upon him and his word. Now notice the next verse. He only is my rock. He is my defense. 
And I love this. I shall not be moved. Remember that old song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I'm like a tree planted by the waters. I shall not be moved. Say it strong. I shall not be. I shall not be. Moved. Sometimes you need to point downward and tell the devil, Mr. Devil, you brought your best, but I'm trusting in my covenant and I've entered into rest and I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I tell you what, if there's going to be any movement around here, it's going to be you, Mr. Devil. I'll not be moved. I'll not be moved. The message says it this way. I'm set for life. I am set for life. Look at Proverbs 23, verse 18 now. Proverbs 23, verse 18. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. The Amplified says, For surely there is a latter end, a future, and there is a reward. It's the reward of reaping. And your hope and your expectation shall not be cut off. The message says it this way. That's where your future lies. You won't be left with an armload of nothing. (laughs) You'll not be left with an armload of nothing. You'll leave with armloads of blessings, shouting hoorahs, hoorahs, hooray, glory to God at the harvest. I mean, even the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they left in style. They did not leave empty-handed. When you left the kingdom of darkness and you were brought over into the kingdom of light, you didn't come just by being saved. You came by being healed. You came by having peace. You came with armloads of blessing. So what does the word expect mean? Expect. A simple definition is this. To expect means to look forward with excitement. July 21st, 1977, in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, the night before my wedding, I was looking forward to taking my beautiful bride, Brenda Raylene Edwards, and saying, I do. And having her for my love of my life for the rest of my life. I was expecting. Expecting. Looking forward with excitement. What are you looking forward to? When I was in fourth grade, I was the youngest of four. My older brother Dan, he's still alive, lives in Phoenix. My sister Lucy lives in Minneapolis. Tim's in heaven. And I'm the youngest And I came up in a family that, you know, loved to play sports, loved to play basketball. But in fourth grade, the night before my first organized game, they gave us a uniform. Do you understand what a uniform is? (laughs) My older brother had one, Tim had one, but they gave me a uniform. And I think my game was like at 7.30 in the morning or something. But I slept with that uniform on. I was on the lookout. I could hardly, I was so excited. So excited. 
To expect also means to anticipate. Anticipation means to look forward to as certain. To anticipate means to look forward to with a pleasurable expectation. Amen? It also is defined, and I like this one, the visualization or the ability to see of a future event. We could say it this way, that expectation comes from vision. Say it with me. Expectation Expectation. comes Comes. from where? From vision. From what you see. See, what you hear is so important. Because what you hear on a consistent basis is sooner or later what you're going to see. Amen? I mean, if you hear bad news day and night... And night and day, eventually, you're going to see bad news in your heart. And then it won't be long before you're walking down the same path that those that believe in bad news are walking down. But oh, if you get so full of the good news. How many of you know the good news trumps bad news? I I, I like that saying. How many of you know the good news trumps bad news? If you just get so full of the good news that it starts affecting what you see down here, it won't be long before you're walking in it. See, you've got to protect your spirit. You know, there's a lot of talk about the Republican thing in Florida on Tuesday and There's Newt said this, and Mitt said this, and Newt said this, and Mitt said... I don't care what Newt says. I don't care what Mitt says. I want to know what God says. And I say that respectively. You understand? But none of them are God. Hey, God is God. And God don't ever change. Amen. I got to protect my spirit. Now, whether you're a 49er fan or not, you know, they lost last Sunday because there were some bad bounces. But they didn't lose that game based only on the fumble. They lost that game based on a team effort. And I told Brenda, I said, you know what? I am not going to turn that sports radio program on this week because I do not want to hear people capping on that poor young man that made that mistake. I don't want to hear the bad news by a bunch of drunken, unemployed sports fans that never felt the adrenaline of an NFC championship game. Are you listening to me? feed my spirit with that stuff I don't need to be entertained by the spirit of this world I'm not criticizing Chris Rock but I got the rock anyway let's get back down to business here we are on assignment we're on assignment to protect our spirits 
to guard the ear gate, the eye gate, to guard the mouth gate, protecting our spirit with all diligence, because out of your heart flows things like expectation. Out of your heart flows the wisdom of God. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Turn me to Proverbs 29, 18. We're going to look at it from the message version. Of course, you know, Proverbs 29, 18, and the King James says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Okay? But the Amplified says it this way, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Why can't they see it? Because they're hearing the wrong stuff. But when they attend to what he, everyone say, reveals, then they are most blessed. I wonder, is God revealing things to his people in this day and this hour? You better believe he is. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. So the question would be then, is where does vision come from? It comes from two sources. Vision comes from the word. Words paint pictures. Amen. Words from God develop an image on the inside of you of success, of prosperity, of healing, of being a blessing wherever you're at. Amen? But then the second way that God imparts vision to us is by the Holy Spirit. Now let me just quote this to you because I think a lot of you know it. And if you don't know it, look it up later. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. It says, ear is not heard. Neither has I seen. The things neither have entered into the heart of man. The things, everyone say things, that God has prepared for them that love. Are there some things prepared for you? You better believe there are. You've got to believe there's some things prepared for you. But how many of you know you've got to perceive it? You've got to see it. You've got to hear it. You must have a vision of it. Now notice the next verse. But God. But God. Has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Oh man, that makes me happy. That tells me if I'll spend some time with Him. And commune with the Holy Spirit. Yes, and even pray in the Spirit. That as I do, I'm praying the perfect will of God. And then as I spend my days just getting happy in God. I mean, just being delighted at the Word. Being delighted in His presence. That if we will do that, He said, If you will delight yourself in me. And here's what I'll do for you, that I will give you, I will impart to you the very desires of your heart that line up with what's in my heart. Oh, hallelujah. You see, ascertaining, discerning, and getting revelation isn't difficult, but it takes time. It takes some work. Amen? Now... Going right along, let's ask ourselves, what is vision? What is vision? Vision is defined as something that is seen. Vision gives you a sense of sight. Or vision is something that comes into view. Have you ever been there before where you couldn't quite see it, but all of a sudden it came into view? 
That's vision. I believe that God wants to clarify some things for us in the next couple weeks. I believe that God wants to clarify some of the highest expectations that we have from His Word. I believe that God wants to put a drop or two of clarity in the aquarium, if you will, of our spirit so that we can see and know the things He wants to do. Amen. See, vision is what motivates people. Vision is what propels us. Vision is what gets us up in the morning. When you know that you know that you've heard something from God, in spite of what you can see around you, it'll get you up in the morning. It'll motivate you. Now, the Old Testament word for vision is to see, to be taught by God in a dream, or also vision means a prophetic revelation. How many of you are dreamers today? I didn't say schemers, I said dreamers. Dreams from God are good. Dreams from pepperoni pizza are not. I was telling the earlier congregation this morning that I had a dream about a fellow minister friend of mine the other night. And in that dream, I had a prophetic word for him. And I woke up and I knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that was God. If you have a dream and you need someone to interpret your dream and wonder whether or not that was God or not, it probably wasn't from God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit on the inside of you can witness to you immediately exactly what that dream was all about. Are you listening to me? And so it is also in our individual lives. You know what? I don't need John Caldwell to prophesy over me to tell me what the plan of God is for me. I'm just using John as an example. He doesn't do that. Amen? We're smart individuals. We're quick. We're bright. We're in tune spiritually. Amen? And if the Holy Spirit has something for you, He can get it over to you. And you don't need to go looking for a word from everyone in the Bay Area. Well, we're going to line everybody up and we're going to have a personal word for you. Now, I'm not criticizing that. All I'm saying is if you get a personal prophecy and it doesn't line up with what you have in your spirit, don't run with it. If the prophecy says marry so-and-so and you're already married, you know it's something... He ate. I know I'm preaching good right now. Amen. And so then, vision is the ability to anticipate. It is the ability to see a future event coming to pass. Now turn quickly to Ephesians 5 verse 17. I believe this. In the last 10 minutes or so in this service... I believe with all of my heart, the teaching part of the service, I believe with all of my heart that it is the will and plan of God for us as a church to take some personal inventory. I believe that goes for the church, and I believe that that goes for every individual in the church. To make sure that we are doing the will of God. To make sure that we are not just wasting time. 
to make sure that we didn't just have a good idea, but rather we had a, come on, a God idea. Take an inventory of what you're doing. And one thing about what you're doing, if it's not bearing fruit, it may be a good indicator to cut it off. Listen, there is pruning in the kingdom of God. And what worked two years ago doesn't necessarily mean it's for 2012. Are you here? What you did in 2005 may have bought for fruit, but how many of you know it's possible for the well to dry up? And if things aren't clicking and things aren't working, it's time to reevaluate and take a personal inventory. I'm not talking about getting condemned. I'm not talking about beating yourself up, but I'm talking about having an open, honest heart and saying, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. Your plan must be priority in my life. So Ephesians 5.17 in the Amplifier, the message says this. Don't live carelessly. Don't live unthinkingly. Think. Make sure you understand what the master wants. In other words, know what you're on this planet to do. I believe that one of the greatest tragedies in life is to live life with no purpose. Now, can I give you just a couple indicators how you can know that you're in the will of God? Listen, there's always going to be peace. See, my God is not the author of confusion. But he's the author of what? Of peace. I remember when we moved to California years ago, there was such a peace in our hearts. Now, A peace that passes understanding doesn't mean the absence of trials. But even though you might walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because you're in the will of God, you know He's with you, on you, all around you, and attending your way, you got peace in spite of it. And then here's another real solid earmark. This is in your service for the Lord. This is across the board for being in the will of God. There will always be joy. There will always be joy. You know, the Apostle Paul, he faced a lot of junk, didn't he? He was beat up. He was beat down. He was probably cussed at, stoned. I'm not talking about... I'm talking about real stones. He was literally, literally left for dead. But you know what Paul said? Paul said, you know, guys, none of these things move me. Because I know I'm on a mission. And I know I have a vision. Therefore, I've chosen to finish my course with joy. So Paul didn't allow his course to finish him. He finished his course with joy. And on your course, and on God's agenda for your life... If you have lost your joy, it might be time to rejoice. Or it might be time to reevaluate. Okay? Just a food for thought. Is that okay? So, there will be the absence of confusion and there will be joy unspeakable 
and awesome glory going on in your life. Now, we're going to do an exercise in closing this morning that's going to help you. And I'm going to give you this next week on written paper so that you can have it. I'm going to give you seven things. Everyone say seven things. That you can know beyond any shadow of doubt that you're walking in the plan of God. Pastor Mark, how can I know my dream or my vision is from God? And all of these things need to be taken together. You just can't pull one out. Number one, if your dream captures your imagination and it inspires you and motivates you, then it's most likely a dream from God. Number two, if it seems impossible and you're unable to fulfill it on your own, then it's most likely a dream from God. Kenneth and Gloria said, Copeland said, God never asks us to do anything that we could do in ourselves. Number three, if it seems as though it'll never come to pass. I'm hearing some laughter. But you're unwilling to give up on it. Come on. I would have fainted. But you're unwilling to give up on it. Then it's most likely a dream from God. It is the dream that will not die. Number four. If not everybody is as enthusiastic about your dream as you are, it's most likely a dream from God. Now, you can't take number four out of its setting because you be you could be enthusiastic about something that's not scriptural. You could be enthusiastic about stealing somebody's wife and others aren't enthusiastic about it. See, it's a vision from God. No. got to line up with the word got to line up with the holy spirit number five if you've experienced resistance setbacks difficulty and sometimes frustration over it then it's probably a dream from god number six if it seems to consume your thinking and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger on the inside of you it's most likely from heaven And then number seven, if it defines and shapes your life, then it's most likely a dream from God. I exhort you as your pastor to dream big, to envision big, have a long-term goal. But then have intermediate goals, intermediate vision along the way to the long-term goals. And you will find on the path and on the long-term goal, on the way to fulfill the plan of God, you will find all sorts of prizes. You will find all sorts of rewards. Oh, I'm encouraging you. Take that piece of paper out of your bulletin now and let's do a little work together in closing. Everyone say, write the vision. Write the vision. vision. On February 12th, in two Sundays, 
I'm asking everyone who will, because I know some of you won't want to, but everyone who will, to bring this sheet of paper filled out with them, ready to make some declarations. Amen? Write the vision. Let's look at the second part. Take some time, emphasis time, with your spouse and your children to check your heart and talk about the following three areas. Ask yourself, what are my highest expectations for 2012? What is it that is in my heart big for 2012? You know, it might be to have a better marriage. It might be to be debt free. It might be to be go from unemployed to employed. It might be to go from underemployed to promotion. Whatever the case might be. Write down your three highest expectations for 2012. You see, where there's no vision, the people will perish. Where there's no vision, where there's no hope. What will happen is we just kind of bump along. And whatever happens, happens. And then we blame the Lord. No, I serve a God and you serve a God that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. But listen, it's according to the power that's at work in you. So by the head of the church and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I charge you to stir yourself up in these days ahead. Stir yourselves up in light of what God has been speaking to you, what I have been preaching to you with every bit of my heart and with every fiber of my being since December. Stir yourself up. Begin to expect and to look to heaven. Amen. Amen. You can do it. Look at your name and say, you can do this. And in God, you can do it. Let's move on to the next one. Write down what you desire to sow into the kingdom this year. Secondly, how many of you are expecting debt freedom? Amen. You might be one dollar in debt. Nothing's too big for our God. You might be a million dollars in debt. Nothing's big too big for our God. Now listen. Write it down. Write what you owe down. Every debt. Large or small. Write down the principal. Write down the interest. Write down the payment. And then number three. What would you like to have or do personally if price or cost was no concern? Isn't that powerful? You know, I'm assured of one thing. I'm assured that if someone had $10 million to give in this congregation this morning, they'd give it to Heart of the Bay. Write it down. Start where you're at. And then, lastly, we're going to hold up the papers before the Lord on the 12th. We're going to acknowledge Jesus as our source. And then we're going to make sure we're thanking Him for all that He's done in the past. Thank Him for everything He's done in the past. And then thirdly, ask. Let's go back to three. Let's go back to three if we could. Ask Him. Ask Him to enable you to fulfill the vision that you've written. Ask Him. See, you you have not because you... 
You have not because you whatsoever you shall ask the Father in. He will give it you. Ask. John Wesley said, it seems like God is limited by our prayer life. That he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. Have you thought about that? And then number four. Claim every fund necessary to give, to pay off, and to do what you've written. Number five, use your authority. Command the devil to take his hands off your money. And forbid him to hinder it from coming to you. And then number six. Oh, remember the other morning, the Holy Spirit said, expect angelic assistance. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who are heirs of salvation? Charge the angels to go and to work swiftly to cause the money to come in. And then seven, thank the Father wholeheartedly for bringing these things to pass in your life for His glory. Let's lift our hands and thank Him ahead of time. Glory to God. Glory. 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 Can I give you a little take home this morning? Something that you can do all week long? Listen. I understand and I know that the enemy comes about as a roaring lion. And he wants to seek whom he may devour. And one of the things that he wants to do is he wants to rip you off of your vision. He wants your life to be so despondent that you're just kind of stumbling through. Are you listening? And one of the things that Satan has tried to do with a lot of pastors and a lot of parishioners is to discourage them. But I have got an antidote for discouragement. You know what it is? It's to encourage yourself in the Lord. It's to encourage yourself in the Lord. And listen, one of the greatest things that encourage me when I'm tempted to be discouraged is this phrase. It shall come to pass. It shall all come to pass. It shall come to pass At last. Yeah, but don't you see, don't you feel, it'll all come to pass. It shall come to pass. What is it that hasn't come to pass in your life? You need to call it coming to pass. Oh, hallelujah. Stand up, everybody. Let's try that on for size. Lift up your hands toward heaven and say, It shall all come to pass. The vision the things things that God has prepared for me from before the foundation of this world. They shall surely come to pass. They shall all come to pass. They shall come to pass at last. Thank you, Father. My expectation is from you. Put your hands over your heart and say this. Heavenly Father, 
in these next weeks, I pray that you will show me, reveal to me, help me to hear from heaven. I purpose in my heart to take some time to write the vision. My heart is an open sheet. Take the Spirit of the Lord and write upon my heart your plan and your will. I declare strongly it'll come to pass. It'll surely come to pass. It'll come to pass at last. Just raise your hands and thank Him. Father, I thank You. Glory to God. Glory to God.